Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is episode number 305. And ladies and gentlemen, buckle up, get your notebook out, get your pen, because you're going to want to write down everything Jason Hardrath says in this show. Oh my goodness, this, I told him and I was trying to like, you know, I was hoping he didn't think I was like, you know, sucking up to him or something, but this was one of the best episodes of the podcast, in my opinion. Jason gets it, man. This is a guy that understands adventure on this really deep, personal, contemplative level that I totally full-heartedly connected to while chatting with him um he's an amazing athlete um but really like he has this wonderful ability to express these really complicated ideas and so um as i was chatting with him this was definitely an episode i'm gonna listen back to and just kind of take some of these lessons that he and he drops like literally in my opinion like 100 lessons (laughs) in this episode um that i think are giant takeaways giant takeaways for the reasons why we go out and do really hard challenges out in the wilderness um you know it's kind of been the thing i've been trying to explore over all these years is what leads a person to do this and obviously i think you know having talked to a whole bunch of people about it at this point there are all these deeply personal individual reasons why people go out and and chase a big adventure or do a really hard endurance challenge or go out and climb a mountain or row across the ocean or all of this stuff um there's all these specific reasons people do it and they vary from person to person but there are also these broad overarching kind of generalization like these general concepts that it doesn't matter what the adventure was it's something that i find people take away you know there are these things like these commonalities amongst adventurers and people who have tried these big lofty goals that you just find over and over again and that's like this deep like human level of the experience that we're having you know and i think it's also you know the reason why i started this podcast because i'm hoping people listen to some of these stories and listen to some of these takeaways that people have and they want to go experience it for themselves because there's one thing about hearing someone say all this and there's another thing that happens when what they're saying is like part of your soul because you actually went out and did it you know and i hope after listening to jason's uh wisdom today and his stories and and all of this i hope you are inspired because i'm inspired you know like i just had this big smile i had goosebumps at times like i was so psyched um but i'm inspired to go out and chase an adventure something that's important to me something that's a big goal and i think without giving away some of the things he says but by the end he kind of does this beautiful way to express the idea of like you're you come back after the adventure and you're sharing it with other people around you and you're hoping those um those ripple effects are causing other people happiness and positivity 
Um, and I know a big part of, for me, is this idea of spreading goodness. And when you see someone take this, take an adventure and then they come back and they're authentically like super enthusiastic about it and you can just tell and it's like you can just tell from looking at someone if they're enthusiastic about what they're currently passionate about like you can just tell and um when you see that you're inspired to you know reach that level of enthusiasm because really like this is the life that we're given we give we get one life and you know you might as well go be enthusiastic about the things that you're doing um whatever they may be so anyways this is an awesome episode uh we'll get into all this stuff but jason uh is a part of a wonderful film called journey to 100 um he spent the last few years trying to set 100 fkts fastest known times um and actually since then has expanded beyond that to 115 FKT. So we talk about all that. He did the highest 100 peaks in Washington in 50 days. Um, we'll talk about that. And just throughout, he's just gonna pepper in these wonderful nuggets of wisdom. So let's get into it. Like a Bigfoot podcast, number 305 with Jason Hardrath. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week, uh, I'm so excited to like pick your brain, Jason. Uh, I have Jason Hardrath on the show. Um, Jason has set, I mean, originally it was 100 FKTs, but I looked at your updated website and it is now 115, which you'll have to tell me if you added any more, but you've set 115 FKTs, which is insane and so awesome. And I love it. And I definitely want to pick out your brain here. Um, so first of all, huge congratulations on that. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that, Chris. It's, uh, it's been a long journey for sure. Uh, started back in, I think October of 2018. Um, so yeah, kind of, kind of all consuming project for, for a good chapter of life. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you, well, I have a, a question based off that then. So obviously it didn't end at 100. This is like a continuing journey here, huh? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I always say, you know, you're aligned properly in life when the way you celebrate doing the thing is by doing more of the thing. <laughs> um, and I got into doing FKTs because I was already out basically doing it. I was running around to see how many peaks I could bag in a given weekend just to go have an epic weekend. And then I discovered FKTs. It's like, well, this is kind of what I'm already doing. So might as well jump in on the community and see what's possible. Um, and so of course I'm going to keep doing it afterwards. Cause it's like, it's not like I changed who I was or what I was interested in yeah. to start doing FKT. So it was already the passion I wanted to pursue. Yeah. That's amazing, man. I love that, uh, whole idea. Just keep doing it. If you like it, you know, that's, that's awesome. And you're wearing a practice maximum enthusiasm shirt, which I definitely, we, that was the first thing I said, cause I was psyched. <laughs> Absolutely. No, uh, I love semi-rad stuff. And well, I mean, I, I'm a elementary PE teacher, so it's true. I've got to bring, that's probably the, the biggest part of the craft is being able to bring full energy for 10, 10, uh, rotations a day from kindergarten through sixth grade and just teach a game. I've taught a hundred times as if I'm as stoked as I was when I first learned it as a kid. Um, <laughs> 
and yeah, I think I do a pretty good job of it and the kids seem to have fun. Yeah, man. I think that is a theme amongst teachers because there is this thing where like enthusiasm is contagious. And so if you're enthusiastic about what you're teaching, like they're going to be more apt to like jump on board, you know? Absolutely. No, it's so true. It's so true. If you can have excitement for what you're bringing and you can understand how it connects and why, why it's fun and what it adds. Yeah. Um, and you can convey that with enthusiasm, then yeah, you're going to get huge buy-in. Yeah. But if you're yeah. just like, you know, rolling the balls out, then pretty soon you're going to lose them. <laughs> um, dude. Okay. So I have a bunch of teaching questions. I'm going to save those for the end though, because I'm a teaching like geek. I'm a teacher. So I'm always excited when I meet fellow like endurance athletes who are also teachers, because I always want to see how those two worlds like blend together but oh that'll be a fun part of the conversation oh yeah it'll be too. cool it'll be i'm cool. excited but i want to start with this because this week i've actually been doing this challenge around golden colorado where i'm at and it's called golden hell week or whatever and there's five different trail runs and me and a couple friends have been doing them at like 5 a.m and they're like the mountains in golden or whatever and i'm actually running fast which i usually don't do because we're trying to set like good times and so I wanted to ask you this because you would know this more than anybody probably, but like there's that battle to shut out the voice that's just telling you to slow down or telling you you can't, mostly to slow down, you know? What did you do when you're setting an FKT and you're hearing that voice like you can go a little slower or whatever? Like how do you shut that out? Oh man, I mean, there's there's so many different layers and levels to that because um, obviously with each energy system with each pace change to a more intense output, right? If you're going anaerobic, that's a whole different kind of hurt than even a 5k that's different from a, you know, half marathon or a marathon, or then you get onto the other end of the spectrum when you're marathon and up where you have to do a different kind of suffering, but the pace yeah. pace is much slower, very much aerobic. Um, but there's always there, there's always that urge after a given amount of time for, your body to want you to slow down. Um, and it's, yeah, it's definitely different with each application. Um, but one of the, one of the things I approach it with is I'm always, I'm always excited to bring my very best to a challenge that nature has for me. And so I don't, I mean, how to, how to phrase it. It's, it's almost like I, I would be stealing from myself if I didn't give my very best. And I mean, with, especially with the anaerobic effort. So if you're like running fairly short hill climbs all out, like you're always going to be like, Oh man, is this too yeah. much? I'm like, am I going to blow up? Am I going to pop? Is this, you know, so there's always going to be that doubt, that unsureness when you're pushing that hard. And then, you know, you kind of just have to look to your metrics and go, okay, you know, at a heart rate of, you know, 188, I can hold that for three hours okay, I'm in the ballpark because this effort's going to take three hours. Um, you kind of learn those metrics and you don't know, like regardless of what my head is telling me, yeah, the data says I can do this for longer. Or sometimes you you look down and you, you're having a day where you're full of stoke and spit and fire and, and you look down and the heart rate's reading 190 and it goes, ooh, even though I think I can do this, yeah. this isn't going to last very long. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I think you have to check in with the reality of stuff because our, our mood and our motivation, you know, as we just talked about, like we both just came off a long teaching day, um, <laughs> that the motivation can go up and down. And so sometimes you have to ground yourself 
in, in some of the data and go, okay, like this hurts really bad today, but the data says it's sustainable. So keep pushing. Um, and I think that's something I've done very well for myself for, since I was a runner in high school, even I was very data driven, um, very much looking at splits in training and then what that translates to in splits for racing. Um, and then, uh, that turned into looking at heart rate and, uh, you know, metabolic, uh, levels there, you know, anaerobic, aerobic, um, and coming to understand like what that meant, like, okay, how sustainable is this pace? What is my maximum marathon heart rate? Yeah. You know, all those sorts of things I became student, a student of. And so that way, regardless of what it felt like, I could always sort of look down and like check in and be like, yeah, nope, this is where I should be. Um, yeah. You describe on your website, you describe that understanding of yourself or whatever of your i'm trying to remember how you put it of your like refining your fitness and building your skills you describe that as like an art form can you kind of like expand on that because i think you're already kind of mentioning that yeah absolutely um so got another teacher popping in because this is the (laughs) office um this is your pe hold on this is your pe office yeah, this is this is the PE office. Here's what I'm saying, man. And I gotta just paint a picture. <laughs> PE teachers always have like a super comfy looking couch in their office. It's just <laughs> it happens at every school that you're at. He's got that couch, and I'm like, man, PE teachers know what's up. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. It's it's a it's a nice little getaway from uh from the kids when uh <laughs> when I need some peace and quiet. But yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh so I don't know. I think, I think there's an art and a science to it, right. As with anything, the same with teaching, right. You, you have to build the ordered, you have to come to learn and understand and then structure the ordered building blocks. Catch you later. Um, and then put them together in an artful way. So you, you have to come to understand like the components, like I was just talking about understanding pacing yeah, and then coming to understand nutrition and coming to understand how nutrition and pacing interact with each other. Like what can my stomach digest if I'm at, you know, high aerobic versus low aerobic versus anaerobic? Um, like what, what are the things I can be eating? How much of it's going to get absorbed? Um, and how does that play out over extended amounts of time? You know, how sustainable is that? You know, okay. So low aerobic pace, eating 400 calories per hour, that works out. And I can do it for nearly ever. Yeah. That's like, all right, cool. So that's how you pace out a multi-day effort. Um, so, and then of course you add in things like sleep and things like knowing how to execute skills on technical terrain with the FKTs. I do, I very much choose FKTs that involve, uh, oftentimes some like life or death. Oh, I'm going to get to those. (laughs) Um, so it's like, what I'm talking about when I, when I say that quote that has become like an art is that I have, I have all these rather scientific building blocks that then I can place together to go express myself in the outdoors and the best that nature has to offer and to bring the very best my nature has to bear upon that. Um, and that to me is where it becomes an art, but you know, obviously, you know, I've got the bib numbers hanging on the wall behind me, 150 different races I've run of varying distances. It's like, it took a lot of building and learning and experimenting to reach a place where it's like, oh yeah, I'll push three days. I'll push 10 days out into the middle of nowhere in the back country with some, you know, fifth class soloing in the middle. Um, like I'm confident I can execute, uh, on that scale. 
Yeah. Um, like it takes a while to build that in and to build that trust with yourself, right? And in a way you have to have a, a strong rapport of your own ability to not only make the right decisions at the points that it counts, but dig yourself out of the hole if stuff does go sideways. Um, so yeah, all of that, all of that, I, I think is wrapped up in what I'm expressing uh, yeah. in that quote on the website. When I kind of feel like too, like you're almost getting at like the intentional consideration of those and how you've done in the past, like that intentionality is almost the art form, right? Like you're really thinking about it and breaking it down and considering, whereas some people might not, they might just have do a race and they might not ever take that time to like really take, think about it or break it down, you know? True. Yeah. No, I, I there's very much in a, a practice of awareness and a practice of intentionality, um, that are, that are a part of what I want to be the experience I'm having out there. Yeah. I don't want to just be like, well, that was cool. I have no clue why it worked. I guess I got lucky. <laughs> in fact, I mean, I've been known when people say good luck, uh, I've been known to be, be in, in moments where I'm, I'm a little too much. Let's say that when I'm being a bit extra, I'll reply. I'd rather have skill and will. <laughs> um, like I, I don't want it to be luck. I want to have learned something. I want yeah. to authentically understand something and know why it worked and be able to execute again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm a bit extra or maybe that's the truth. Maybe that is the <laughs> truth. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. So now people should come up to you and say, have good skill and will. Hey man, good will, good skill and will. <laughs> yep. Skill and will. Skill and will all day. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So you started doing FKTs and, uh, yeah, buddy. Yeah. My, my five-year-old just pops in every once in a while. That's what happens. Special guest <laughs> appearance. Um, so you started doing FKTs, but when did this idea of I'm going to do a hundred start? Was it after the ball was rolling or was it like at the very beginning? Oh, it was super early on. I mean, I didn't talk about it publicly at all early on because I mean, how egotistical and ridiculous it would have been if I had like three FKTs and I was like, I'm going to be the first person to do a hundred. Um, it's like, that was for me right yeah. at first. That was for me and not for anybody else. Um, I, I knew what I was aiming at. Cause like I said, it was, it was me knowing that what I was really doing, even if it didn't matter to anyone else and never had any relevance, I was going to create 100 memories doing exactly what I wanted to do in nature and the way I loved doing it. I was going to grow and experiment and see new places and build myself as an athlete to take on new challenges. Like even if none of this, you know, journey to 100 film and all this stuff had ever happened. Yeah. Like that was the, that was the journey I was on. That was yeah. the real journey to 100 was I was out there for me. Um, and a piece of that is that I had this big car accident in 2015, rolled the car, went out the window. A lot of people who've seen the film or heard me in other podcasts kind of know this, a bit of the story. Yeah. Um, broke nine ribs, collapsed a lung, broke my shoulder in two places and completely shredded the LCL and ACL of my right knee and had to have it surgically reconstructed. Um, so it was a long road back from that. And I needed, I knew within myself and even without knowing, like I was driven inside of myself that I was on a mission to reclaim my personal power 
and my, my independence and my ability to express myself to whatever degree I wanted to through physical means that, you know, and I see, you know, a lot of us make the mistake of like the, of what's called an identity sort error. We say, I am a runner. I am a football mm-hmm. player. I am a whatever. It's like, no, you're not. That's what you do. Yeah. And it really drove home the point that it's like, no, I'm a driven, passionate, creative person. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a motivated person. I'm, I'm meant to move. I'm a physically animated person. And I express that through the medium, like an artist chooses what, whether they paint or do clay or, or perform music. Uh, the medium I paint through is physical. I like physical challenges. Um, and so I knew that if I was going to continue to do that, I wanted to you know, like I, you know, sort of those building blocks that I talked about, right. Rebuild all that I was capable of and then paint something new. And that was like the journey and the mission. And so that sort of happened through this process. It was like one half rite of passage slash gauntlet and one half creative artistic expression, you know, cause also simultaneously, I knew it's like, all right, in my upper twenties heading toward 30, like at some point, you know, obviously a lot of dudes push it well out into their forties. So I could be one of those, but at some point it's like you cross that threshold in the chapter of your life for being the main character of these epics Yeah, starts to get less and less possible, or at least less and less frequent. Yeah, And then at some point you, you no longer are the one doing, doing the big things. Perhaps you're inspiring the next generation to do the big things. Um, and so it was like, okay, now is the time right? There was a, a degree of urgency. And I think that's something that we, we struggle sometimes to cultivate in ourselves is both a, a patience, a willingness to abide the time and stick to the practice and believe in the process yeah. while also having that urgency that says no today absolutely matters. Um, and so it was definitely, it was definitely a bit of both for this, this journey to 100, as far as what it meant to me and, and why I pursued it. Um, I think I, I maybe over answered your question there, but no, man, I love it. I actually was just writing down things you were saying. I, it's funny because you brought up the idea of degree of urgency versus also being like, almost like content. Right. And I've always struggled with that balance. I'm like, where do I find this weird line between being content, which is good. Like you want to be content sometimes, you know, and then also this like pursuit you know, at the same time, like it's hard to find contentment in the pursuit. And I think, I think it sounds like you may have found that, which is really cool. Yeah. I mean, I I've had so many iterations of this now, right. You know, every, every race, every race is a, is a, is a practice of this, you know, all the way back to when I was a middle schooler running track races, it's like, simultaneously being proud of a personal record, a personal best as you achieve it, but then also being able to pick out the bits and the places and the pieces that you could have done a little bit better. Yeah. And, and being able to, to walk that middle road of being able to observe the learning pieces by which you can become a better version of you in the future. And being deeply satisfied by the hard work well done of what you've just done. 
Yeah. And I think it's especially difficult as you're very young and you're so far from you're, you're far from having perspective and you're far from having, uh, creating whatever your greatest, you know, masterwork will be. Um, cause you still have just so many things to learn, even about the basic skills, you know, those yeah. basic building blocks versus now I'm putting big, difficult understanding. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm, now I'm like building a bridge instead of just like, here's me making a brick. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's tough to, it's tough to have that perspective and, and to understand how to stay on that middle way of being able to flip, toggle into a mindset of here's what I need to learn. Here's what I walk away with for next time. And then being able to cycle back into that restful, calm, yeah. uh, proud, reflective, yeah. uh, state. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, people could pick apart like my boulders, the the hundred tallest peaks of Washington that I did. Which and... time out for a second. Why are they <laughs> called boulders? I was wondering that when I was watching the film, I'm like, there's probably some like cool, like folky Washington reason we're calling them <laughs> boulders because they're volcanoes. Maybe I don't know. So the, the, uh, historic folky reason is the silly group of original climbers that yeah. did all the first ascents on the peaks and established the list. Uh, I think semi humorously started referring to themselves as the Bulgers <laughs> and then it thereby became the Bulgers list. Nice. Oh, um, okay. So yeah, they, it's all because of the quirky random group of guys that had nothing better to do, but go out and climb, climb all the peaks of Washington decided this is what we're calling ourselves. I love it. Okay. That's <laughs> great, man. So it's not the mount. I was like, are the mountains, they're like bulging out of the ground or whatever. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Nope. It's just, uh, just what the group decided to call themselves. I, I mean, I guess I could go poke around even more. Cause like I get to go be a part of that celebration. Dinner. You're they a bulger now. Yeah. yeah. I'm, a, I'm a bulger. Yeah. The bulger. <laughs> what's the cell? Does a celebration have a cool name? Like the bulger. Um, you just, know, it's just their celebration dinner. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything super clever on the spot. <laughs> uh, we're at the end of a teaching day. We won't hold it against you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, man, I want to, yeah, I, I want to hear, Okay, so I knew a little bit about your journey um, and then doing a lot of research over the last few days. Uh, I'm just completely blown away. Um, but I watched A Journey to 100, which is a fantastic film directed by Lauren Steele. Um, it was wonderful, dude. Seriously, like I consume a lot of adventure films and this one stood out as really, really fantastic. One, I think obviously props should be given to like everybody who was involved, like the Lauren, the producers, the editors, all that stuff. But I, and along with that though, I think you brought a lot to the table. Like you were very open about your journey um, and you were doing something really fascinating. That's the other thing. Like you had all the factors at play that made it good. You know what I mean? Like I do think there are times where like some films kind of miss one of those factors. Um, but yeah, no, oh, I, here's what I was getting to. Okay. Okay. You end up getting 99 FKTs, just normal, normal FKTs, quote unquote. <laughs> and, and then the hundredth one's coming up and you're like, you know what I should do for 100 is I'm going to climb 100 mountains faster than everybody. And that's my 100. So instead of just doing another FKT where you could have went out for like a day, 
you're like, I'm going to do this thing that's going to take me like 50 days, <laughs> which is so cool, man. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so, I mean, first off, yeah, huge shout out to the entire creative team, uh, Lauren and Anna and, and Aiden, all of them, all of them who were apart, Luke, uh, they did an amazing job fitting uh, my backstory as a kid, yeah. four years of pursuit of my life in chasing, you know, 99 FKTs and 50 days of continuous effort chasing the Washington Bulgers, the yeah. Washington's hundred highest, uh, and other interviews from other people about to, what to you give, were doing yeah, context, which I wanted to ask you, was that weird to hear all these people talking about you? Like when you watched it, cause you probably weren't present for their interviews. I wasn't present. It was an interesting experience. The first time <laughs> I watched it. Um, like your parents sure. and like all that had to have been really cool. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a cool experience. Um, yeah. Anyways, they did an amazing job and yeah, no, I mean, cause other people have done, done a hundred now. And I think the reason people still often refer to me, I never refer to myself as it, uh, but other people still refer to me as the king of FKTs. Um, I think to some degree, it's because if you look at my list and you look at how I went about my list, like, sure, there's some on there that any, any old fast trail runner could go beat, but there's a lot on there that it's like, if you're not dialed, it's not just, you won't break the FKT. It's at best you end up in the hospital. Yeah. Um, it's like, they're full on adventures. They're full on. You have to have skills and be able to execute while tired. Um, they're, they're experiments and what's possible. And I, I think choosing to do 100 peaks for the 100th FKT was one half poetic and silly to not take myself too seriously. But on the other half was the perfect cumulative exam for everything I'd been experimenting with. Cause the thing about these bulgers and, and figuring out how to do them in 50 days is there was no precedent of that being possible. Nobody had ever climbed them in a single year. Nobody climbed them in a single, in a single season. Um, so it was this big experiment that some local mountaineers even doubted. Um, they thought one of the routes will melt out, a fire mm. will break out. Uh, there'll be access issues. You won't get a permit. Like, there are so many different experimental issues. I mean, there's two times you have to ride a boat just to get access <laughs> to the base of, you know, the bushwhack in to get to the peaks, let alone, yeah. you know, like Colorado peaks where you just drive to the trailhead and yeah. go up the trail. It's like, if you're really super generous with your definition of a trail, four of these hundred peaks have trails to the top. Every other peak you're, you're in for a full on adventure. Um, so it was this big experiment of, once again, I talked about like order when you have things you understand about yourself and you understand that are possible. But then there was this portion of this effort that really drew me, which was sort of reaching into the chaos yeah. to like reach into this chaos of the unknown of, is this possible? And to pull it out and go, yeah, here it is. It is. And, and then also knowing, like, I'm aware enough of how this, how cultures work and how people work and how endeavor works that I, I knew it's like, if I can do this, other people will come along who do the next thing. They'll see this as the new playground. Yeah. And sure enough, a guy's gotten a hold of me who wants to try to do the first uh, human powered attempt on them in a season. Uh, another guy wants to try to uh, become a person who's just climbed them in a season. Uh, I had a woman get a hold of me who wants to try to become the first woman who's uh, climbed yeah. them in a season. It's at the women's FKT, and she wants to try to do it only having women climb with her. Um, so, like, men can be like support role, but not that's cool. Part of the climbing team. Yeah. 
Um, so kind of like this stuff is already, you know, the momentum's already started and it's only like a year after the effort. Yeah. Um, so it's super cool to see the impact and the splash it's having already. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted, I wanted a grand undertaking and a grand adventure for my final FKT, not just cool. Here's another easy one. Yeah. And I think that, that sort of sets my, my list apart from, from some of the others that are there now. I think so, man, because just that alone being like, okay, my last FKT is going to be 50 days. <laughs> like it's such a huge thing. Like that could be an adventure of a lifetime in and of itself. You know, um, I wanted to ask you though, about the very first shot of the movie, which is awesome. Like you gotta, you gotta have that great first shot and you're on the sketchy, like super sketchy, just cliff. Like it's insane, man. What? So I want to hear like, what mountain was that? And, and how do you feel in those moments where it is, it is truly like, I mean, it's weird to put it this way, but it's because I'm sure you feel like in control and all that, but it's truly like a life or death situation based on your actions, you know? Oh, I mean, we could spend a whole hour just unpacking, <laughs> just unpacking this. So that that opening scene is shot on formidable, uh, a beautiful peak nor, uh, right in the main body of the North Cascades. Oh, it's literally um, called formidable. It is called formidable. I thought you were about to say like formidable. I'm like, that's a great adjective that he's using right now. <laughs> no, that's that's the noun, my friend. Um, yeah, so formidable, Mount Formidable. Um and yeah, it is pretty full on terrain. I mean, it's not like vertical rock climbing, but it's definitely yeah. high fourth, low fifth class. Um, and it is loose. Like you have to, you have to have a process and an understanding for, for checking what's solid and what's not. Yeah. And that's a, that's a rehearsal. You know, I want to talk about a building block. That's a rehearsed script that's being performed with every move. Um, and yeah, no, it is, you know, to attempt to unpack it a little bit quickly, it is a really full on and very real situation. And, you know, on the mental side of that, it's like, I don't take what I do lightly. Like, yeah. it's not like, it's not like I've gone and soloed things because I'm too much of a dunce to understand the full implications of my actions. Uh, it's not that I don't understand pain. It's not that I don't understand death. Uh, it's, it's that I've weighed and measured those things. And I fully, I fully understand the consequence. Um, you know, I let myself, uh, memento mori, right. Remember you must mm -hmm. die. Uh, yeah. this, this process of the bad things that can, I don't avoid them. I'll let myself dwell on them. I'll let myself, you know, look down while I'm climbing, right? Like I want to be aware and present with the worst that can happen. I don't want to be pretending like somehow I'm magically going to be okay. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to execute my skills and I'm going to practice my craft to such a degree that I do everything possible to, to come out. Okay. But it's not from a, an absence of an, a, a lack of awareness of what, what could actually happen or some feeling of invincibility. Um, and so that's, that's like just the, the edges, I guess, of getting into like the, the psyche and the mentality and some of the self-work that goes into like building a mindset, um, to do these kind of things. And yeah, so am I, 
am I still experiencing a fear of heights while I do this stuff? Yes, absolutely. But what I've taught myself is that, well, for one, there's a love for what I do. I'm the ADHD kid that could never succeed in life sitting still and shutting up. Yeah. I was meant to go out and move. I was meant to go out and express myself through physical movement. That's, that's how I'm wired. And so there's this understanding that's like, okay, if I'm going to do that to its fullest and, and in the ways I seem to be well-equipped for in my, in my physical genetics as well, it involves moving big in these big spaces. Um, Cause I'm never just going to like win a flat, fast race. I'm not built that way. I, I, I'm not that kind of athlete, um, but I'm able to take an incredible amount of abuse in the mountains and keep moving forward. Yeah. So, you know, this understanding of self comes to bear on it as well. And so it's like, I know I'm where I should be. I know I'm where I should be. I understand the consequences of where I should be. And from that, the fear still comes. We all have those instinctual fears, but I bring, I've trained my focus to come up to match. And so the fear triggers the focus because fear isn't something to be run away from. It's, it's a sign that you're making very real decisions. You know, that's, yeah. that's what I think of fear as it's like, it's this feeling that says, Hey man, this one's for real. Like you yeah. mess this up. It's for real. Yeah. Whether it's, whether you're walking down a sketchy alley or, uh, you're driving through a sketchy part of town or you're hanging by your fingertips and, and, a you know, a toe jam on the side of a cliff. Yeah. It's like your brain is telling you like this next one is for real. Um, and that's not something to run away from. It's something to know and to have rehearsed previous to all the necessary skills to make a best decision in that moment. And it like signals you to now it's time to dial in and focus. Exactly. I love that. And, and for me, right. Being ADHD, normally my mind is so scattered and so all over the place and so noisy. Um, that what that creates is this beautiful silence where I feel the grain of the rock under my fingertips. I feel the tension through my, my pulley tendons and in my calves and my Achilles. And I feel the pressure on my toes. I, I feel the rubber against the rock, right? It's like all of these micro feelings that are normally just canceled out by the noise. It's like, that's all it's, it's to me, it's a sanctuary. It's as sacred of a space as any church or more so than any church I've ever stood in. Um, and so as far as like a personal, why, like, why does this guy bother to go out? Is it because he wants to be famous? Yeah. Going, going into the mountains and becoming a teacher. is a great way to become famous <laughs> super fast. Um, why we all, that's why we all do it. Right. For it the is. Lambos and the girls. I literally um, have a sign on my desk that says I became a teacher for the money and the fame, you know, there you go. See, <laughs> see, see Lambos baby Lambos. Um, <laughs> So it's like, no, the reason I did it and the reason yeah. I continue to do it is because those moments for me are so rich and so full and so fulfilling, so beyond ordinary that I know that's the space I need to go back to regularly to, to be fully alive. That's where I find that. That's and then you add in all the planning and the challenge and the, yeah. the preparation that gets to be a part of my life to be who, to be the human who's capable of doing those things. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, what a cool life. Yeah. Um, Cause it's not like the training sucks. It's like the training means I'm going to the local Craig. The training <laughs> means I'm going for runs in beautiful places. The yeah. training means, right. Um, so yeah, that, that sort of brings around like everything I can unpack quickly anyways, from that first scene on the side of formidable, um, 
in the journey to 100 film. That's amazing, man. You actually kind of just touched on another thing I wanted to bring up is I'm sure there were the highest of highs and the lowest of lows throughout the process. And I'm sure you've been asked about them a lot. And, you know, obviously those are fascinating times, right? Like those are fascinating aspects of the journey, but you kind of mentioned this already, but I want to hear like, what are some of the little moments that stick with you that, you know, may not be the ones that are the epic tales, but for you personally might be like of extreme importance. Mm. So one that comes to mind is unexpected camaraderie and friendship. Uh, Nathan Longhurst, who makes an appearance in, in the film at the beginning, we'd never met before day one. Nice. Uh, he, he actually messaged me to try to beat one of my other records, the Rainier Infinity Loop. And, you know, so, yeah, it's like, okay, here's this 21-year-old kid. Like, does, is he going to go get himself killed? Oh, no, he's got a pretty strong resume, huge ski mountaineering background. Like, okay, he knows how to take care of himself in the mountains. All right, he's run some ultras. Like, cool. Yeah. All right. All right, kid, you, you should absolutely go for this thing. Like, it seems like it's possible for you. I'm stoked for you. Good luck. And it's like, then he's like, well, what are you up to? It's like, oh, I've got this Bulgers project. Da, 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 da. He's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, no way. I've, I've been planning. Like I've been aware of these because my dad climbs them uh, to climb them slowly over the course of my life. Like it's on my to-do list kind of thing. Yeah. Um, he's like, could I join you for the first day? It'd be a great training to go beat your record. It's like, okay, join me for my first day to beat my record. Okay, sure, fine. <laughs> um, so he joins me on the first day and like we have a great time. We hit it off and it was a pretty low key day, right? Like nobody was going to end up dead, which yeah. made it kind of, it was an epic, right? A 47 mile push to Dang. 10 more peaks. Um, and he hung the whole day and we had a great time together. It's like, okay, let's, uh, you know, he took a rest day the next day, but then jumped back in the following day. Yeah. And it became this learning process for him where he's like uh, repetitively throughout this thing. He like climbed in hotter temperatures than he ever climbed in. He climbed more consecutive days than he ever climbed. He climbed more vert than he'd ever climbed. Like he kept having these breakthroughs and these revelations of like what was possible for him and his body. Um, and then I think of one day where he'd taken a rest day and I was completely thrashed coming into this really technical day in the enchantments. And I, I, I got pretty bad off. They forced me to take a rest day after that day because it was, it was a little bit scary. Um, cause I was just, I was not like, I was to a point that I wasn't sure enough on my feet to be in that kind of terrain yeah. and I kind of knew it. And so I had to go really slow and like do a little surge over a section while I was like, could be really focused. And then when I started to like wind out, like sit down rest. And so it was like, I had to do this thing. I should have been able to do fast in like double the time. Um, just to keep it safe. And he came out and joined me for the, the final few peaks of that day, uh, just cause I was feeling so thrashed. And I remember I really wanted to climb every single move completely clean, uh, by myself, which, you know, in the, in rock climbing, that purity is kind of normal where like, you don't want to pull on any bolts and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like that's normal in the rock climbing culture. Like it's not ascend unless you do every move free yourself, but in the mountaineering culture, it's like totally fine and normal to like give a partner a boost or run up first and they come up a rope behind you or yeah. you know, let them stand on your shoulders to get to the summit. Like that's all was normal practice for going way back in mountaineering. Um, 
And there's this one move on Argonaut where it was like this really slopey hold uh, stepping across like a massive amount of exposure. And I was just like feeling like flimsy and like, like not, not focused and tight. And, and so he kicked down a foot and I grabbed his foot to kick across the gap with the exposure and just like trusting your life to someone that you'd only met like weeks earlier and to be to, to that degree of friendship, that degree of trust with one another, another after, like, I think this is like day 14, 14 days into doing this, like to trust someone completely with your life. Um, and like, that's the richness that comes out of doing these kind of things and spending time in these kind of spaces with people is you just put so many hours in together in very real experiences, not just like casually chit-chatting over drinks where, you know, nothing could really go wrong. Yeah. Um, it's like so full on and so real that you develop real true human relationship and friendship um, in sh very short amounts of time. Yeah. Um, I'm always, that's another big topic that we've explored on this show that is, it just is always fascinating to me because I'm always trying to figure out like, why does that happen? You know, I don't, and I still haven't fully grasped it, but I've, I've felt the same way doing some of these adventures and you just bond at a much deeper level, which is really cool. Well, it's, I mean, to me, it's kind of obvious. It's like, you're operating at a deeper level. Yeah. Like, it, like the, the shit you're doing is real. <laughs> yeah. So the experience you're having with each other is the real experience. Like there's no, there's no space. There's no bandwidth to keep a facade up to pretend yeah. it's like you're raw. You're melted down to your core. Like you, like there's, yeah, there's no faking it. Yeah. You know that you are being the real you and they are being the real them. And there's nothing, nothing's being hidden anymore. Um, it's all out on the table. And I think that, you know, it's only these experiences that ask everything of us that we get to be all of who we are. Right. If, if we're doing something that's easy for us, we can have a lot of bandwidth left to like, be like, oh yeah. And I'll make sure that my hair is just so, and I'll, I'll say it like this. Um, like we can do it with a flourish and a flare, but when you're, <laughs> when you're out there in a, in a full on adventure, it's like, man, that stuff gets melted away pretty quick. The veneers, yeah. the yeah. veneers and the facades of life. Yeah. And you're left with the real raw, genuine person. And then you can really easily make a decision. Like, is this a genuine person who I want to spend more time with? Yeah. And am I the genuine person I was hoping I was? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think, yeah, because of that, because the facades are down, the walls are down. It's like you develop very real trust with one another very quickly. That's amazing, man. That's yeah. I, that's, you just, I think you hit the nail on the head so I can stop the podcast. We know <laughs> forever. <laughs> we figured out the answer. No, dude, I like what you just said, totally just connected. And I love that when I asked you about the little moments, just that moment of grabbing his foot, you know, like you did this whole 100 mountain 50 day project and one of the biggest moments is just grabbing a dude's foot and understanding like what real human trust looks like. And that's freaking awesome, dude. And that's like, that's the trophy. That's the trophy you take home. Cause you'll never forget that, you know? Absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely. Dude. I gotta hear. So speaking of trophies you take home, uh, you're a teacher. So I want to hear about how some of the, what's the teaching thing, the Venn diagram, you know, 
Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Cross. The, I mean, the overlap. Okay. Yeah, dude, you were in semi rad stuff, dude. He's Venn diagram all the time. I love <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, what's the overlap that you've taken from doing these adventures into uh, your career as an educator? Oh man. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a billion. Another, but another three hour podcast. One or two. One go. or two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> real. Uh, all right, everybody. We're going to be talking for another eight hours. Um, so. To, to, to boil it down to be as concise as possible. Um, I never much used to think of the hero's journey in application to everyday life. Um, or I think I, I think I even thought I did. Cause I read a book once that presented like, Oh, if you wouldn't read it in a book and you wouldn't watch it in a movie, like, why would you live that as your life? Mm. Um, and I like, you know, as a 16 year old was like, yeah, no, I should live a good story. Like, yeah. like I should do awesome stuff. I should be awesome. But I didn't fully understand the, the cyclical nature of the hero's journey and just, just how symbolic and meaningful that was when you look at it as a practice when you look at it as like is there a fully integrated practice as a human being and and what i mean by that is okay you know in american culture we make the mistake of thinking the hero is just the badass that slays the dragon it's like that's exactly half the story if you just have that as a story like it may or may not be a hero yeah like it it may it may be an asshole yeah um the true hero's journey is oftentimes a reluctant hero because of the suffering he sees or she sees around them, you know, dragon tormenting the villagers, killing Mm -hmm. the village, hauling off the kids, uh, taking all the riches, hoarding the gold because of that. Finally, the hero does something about it and goes out and often becomes some better version of themselves to become capable of slaying the dragon. And then what do they do after they slay the dragon? Like the story doesn't end there. They mm-hmm. bring the gold back to share with the village to make everyone rich again, to enrich everyone's life. And so, right, that's a that's a cycle. And I mean, we all have tragedy in our life. We all are going to lose loved ones. We all are going to face depression, end up in car accidents, have our friends get in trouble, um, have financial difficulty, lose jobs. Like tragedy is coming, right? The, the dragons are coming. The, the difficulties, the sadnesses in life are coming. And the more I look at it, like whatever the expression is, whether it's an artist making music or a, an athlete pursuing the, the biggest, most difficult goal they can, they can take on, um, that, that act of slaying that chosen dragon gives the opportunity just like we are now having a conversation to, to bring back something, to bring back some inspiration, to bring back mm-hmm. some knowledge, to bring back perspective, right? That's one of the hardest riches to gain in life is perspective. Um, and to then share that with as, as many, as many as humanly possible. And to me, that perfectly integrates with the practice I've followed in my teaching. Like, I'm inspired. I'm more inspired to go on adventures because I know when I lift myself up and give myself a better perspective, give myself more tools, give myself more experience, I'm going to be, and more stories to tell, I'm going to be that much more inspired to teach. Yeah. I'm going to come back with an energy and a passion and an authenticity. 
to say, Hey, it's worth it, right? I teach PE. It's worth it to keep your body strong. It's worth it to learn to control your anger and your fear and your emotions. It's worth it to learn to build trust and to build relationships. It's worth it to become a functional, well put together human being because there's a whole amazing world out there to be experienced. And I can say that because I'm doing that. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, I'd just be another PE teacher with a beer gut sitting on a golf cart yelling at kids to run. Right. Like we all had that PE teacher and we all knew that there was something that wasn't authentic and wasn't right about that. I always thought it was weird. Cross. I think our cross country coach might have you might have painted the picture of of my of I, I wasn't in cross country, but I remember seeing seeing that go on. And I'm always like, that is strange. Right. The person, the person coaching the runners hasn't run in three decades. Yeah. And I always promised myself when I became a PE teacher, I was like, if I see myself going down that path, I will change careers. I will have, (laughs) I will have the authenticity. I will have the strength of character to not become that teacher. That's just ruining kids' lives. Um, like I'll go find some, I'm smart enough. I can go do something else with my life. Like (laughs) teaching's not my upper limit of human capacity. Yeah. Um, so Anyways, it gives me that authenticity as I come back and teach and I'm more driven to go out for the next adventure. Right. So it's the cycle where it's like, I want to seek bigger adventure and I want to circle back. And so the adventure and right, this is athletes write about this and talk about this, how it's difficult to reintegrate into life after doing the big grand adventure. Like you can find a thousand blogs about it, about they go do the big thing and then they don't understand how to go back to work and answer the, well, what did you do over the weekend question? Um, it's like, how do you, how do you put out who you became and, and what it meant to you and, and have it be meaningful or relatable, um, to, to the people around you? It's like, well, that's exactly what you have to do. You have to find a forum where you're adding that to people's lives yeah. and you have to find the people who are ready to absorb it, right? Your coworkers might not be ready for that. Um, but there are people who would benefit greatly, regardless of the size of the adventure relatively. You know, I think of a, a very healthy running club I was a part of in Klamath Falls. And it was like someone new would join the group. The whole group would rally around them. Someone said they were going to run their first 5K. The whole group, even the people who've run 100 milers, would rally around them. And you hear people like, oh, I remember when I ran my first 5K. I did this and this. Be careful of this. Like so much help, so much status, so much attention just because they're going to do a 5K everybody's celebrating it and then they succeed and then they want to do a 10 K same thing happens. Yeah. You know, I watched one guy go from being overweight and like depressed with his life all the way up to running 50 miles. Um, like with this healthy running club rallying around him, right. This process of just of building each other up. And it's like, that's, that's what we ought to be aiming at as athletes when we go do these endeavors. Cause otherwise yeah, it was completely self-serving and it was meaningless. And you are just going to feel hollow and empty when you finish. It yeah. seems like it's going to be a meaningful goal to go break the record or to go climb the mountain or to go you know, run the race. But if you don't have a place, you're circling it back. It will be hollow because that's yeah. not the full story. And so I'd say if there's one thing I can encapsulate that, that being an adventurer and a teacher, like, comes together is it gives that practice, that cyclical practice of circling back and lifting the community with what you've done. And that became my mantra through the whole uh, journey to 100 film thing. Cause it felt weird, right? It's weird. Yeah. The first time you have a film that's about you, you're the character of the film and you have to sit and watch it and then give a talk afterwards. It's weird. <laughs> um, and so my mantra through the whole thing is it's like, 
okay, what's my core philosophy in life? And if I sum it up and, you know, I've started even using this as like a hashtag now, um, aim high, lift others. Yeah. Like that's, that's to, to me, that sums what life should be about. You have to aim high, you know, just like the ancient Chinese proverb, no stream can rise higher than its source. You can't teach people what you don't learn. You can't teach what you don't become. And so you, you, you ought to seek to become all you can become because that means you're learning all you can learn. And then you can really authentically teach those things that you've become. And that's what makes you the higher source, a, a stream that can be drank from unfiltered instead of just another person spouting a bunch of BS that they don't really know. Yeah. And then you have to aim to lift others. Like if you're only lifting yourself, if you're only you're like, oh, I did the cool thing. Now I'm going to brag about me to yeah. try to lift me even more. You've missed the point. Once you've done the thing, others will do your bragging for you. Yeah. Like you don't need to worry about it anymore. Instead, aim that time you could spend bragging about yourself more at finding the other people who can be lifted and learn and inspired from what you've done. Like that's the proper structure. Dude. You're amazing. Did uh, hopefully everyone? Hey, if you're listening right now, hopefully you just wrote down literally everything Jason just said, <laughs> like I did in my in my notebook here. Uh, man, dude, I you're an amazing human being. I knew it going in, but now just hearing all of your perspectives and your thoughts and all of that, and I'm sure we could have talked for hours and hours and hours. And hopefully you come back on the podcast because I could just pick your brain forever. But but yeah, man, you were you're absolutely incredible. And I just loved everything that that you talked about today. So, dude, I appreciate it, man. Where can people kind of follow uh, your journey? Um, there's the film Journey to 100. Where can people see that and check that out and support that? It's really truly one of the better uh one of the best adventure films i've seen uh recently for sure uh it was awesome again i appreciate you saying that and a shout out again to the creative team yeah you can find it on youtube journey to 100 uh it'll be on the athletic brewing website they sponsored the film non-alcoholic beer they're amazing nice. yeah. uh, they gave ten thousand dollars to help build a bike skills park for for that some of my students use in Moore park in klamath falls that's amazing um they yeah you know, they're two for the trails programs awesome um, so you'll find it on their website. You can also find it if you're a part of the outside ecosystem. Um, you can find it on outside watch outside TV. Um, both of those places are great. Uh, we'll make sure that I'll make sure you have the link to add in the show description. Yeah, man, I'll add it and I'll put it on our social media sites and whatnot. Sweet. And then, uh, I'm on Instagram. That's probably the app that I'm on most often as far as social media goes. I'm also on Facebook's mostly that's just cross posting though. But if you sent me a message, I would find it yeah. if you're trying to get a hold of me. Um, and then for those that love old school email, you can email me on my website, jasonhardrath.com through the, uh, uh, contact form there, whether that's about coaching or speaking or showing the film, yeah. any conversations around that stuff, any, any chance I have to help inspire more people. And if you have a community that you think would benefit from what I have to say, like I would be stoked to try to make that happen. Um, so yeah, those are the places people can find me. Awesome, man. Well, Jason, dude, come back on the podcast, please. I really enjoyed this one and, uh, yeah, man, we'll have to catch up uh, at some point in the future. Absolutely. I, I I'm not going to hang up the shoes yet, so I'll have <laughs> lots more stories to tell. Sweet. Awesome, man. All righty, that wraps up the show. If you're like me, you have a notebook full of things you were jotting down uh, throughout that episode. Um, 
I already wrote down, I already put it in my phone to reach out to Jason this winter to hopefully record kind of a sequel podcast episode number two with him. Um, it would be amazing. And I'm, I cannot wait to have him back on the show and kind of hear where his journey has taken him, hear some of maybe the new realizations that he's found along the way. And man, let me tell you, I don't know if I've been this close to like really excited about going out and adventuring for a long, long time. Um, There's been a lot over the last year or so to kind of build up to the point where I'm really excited about like a new adventure. Um, What the adventure is, I'm not 100% sure yet, but I know that I'm pretty much there. Uh, And talking to him and hearing about a couple of things, hearing about the cyclical nature of the hero's journey, um, hearing about the idea of like fear basically being a sign that you're making real decisions in that moment. It's like the signal to you to like get focused and dial it in and be in the moment. Um, There's something to those ideas that just like draw me in and it makes me excited about going out into the mountains or going out and trying something new um, in like regular everyday life. And that is so incredibly just motivational to me. Like I think it's absolutely incredible. So anyways, um, I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Uh, I hope you guys tune in to Journey to 100. Um, you can look that up on YouTube. Like I said, it it is a wonderful film. It has what I'm looking for when I sit down and dial up an adventure movie. Um, an interesting story, a person that they're focused on who's really able to kind of like express these deep ideas and how the adventure has changed him or affected his or her life. Like I look for that in an adventure film. Um, And then it's also just very well done, like it's really well filmed uh, stylistically. Like I love the choices that they made, um, especially when he's taking on these 100 mountains and you're seeing this like cool map that's showing where he's at. And then he's they're putting videos that, you know, like the hard thing about making a film about the mountains, I have to imagine, is it's really hard to be up there with like a film crew (laughs) because you have to carry all that stuff up you know one of my friends peter told me um he told me that uh 90 of filmmaking is carrying stuff and that's awesome but i have to imagine like if it's about a mountain and 90 percent of it is carrying it up a mountain that's when it gets real tough um and i love how they covered those moments and they do such a wonderful job and and yeah i really highly suggest you check it out it's called journey to 100 um it's about his 100 fkts it's directed by lauren Steele. the whole filmmaking crew just did a great job on that um on that film so definitely check that out and yeah ladies and gents i hope you're as inspired as i am like i said in the intro um and we are going to come back next week. Uh, we'll keep bringing these amazing guests on 
And I'm just so honored to be able to do this podcast because I get to, at the same time, like get to meet these really incredible human beings. And then I get to be a part of sharing this, their ideas, their positivity with with whoever listens to the show. And like, I am honestly honored to be able to do that every week. And it's what keeps bringing me back and doing this um, for as long as I have. So uh, it's really cool. So I appreciate all y'all listening. And yeah, we'll get back at you next week.